Tornado. Hi, it's Jean Nathan, and this is Crosstown Conversations. And today is a very special day that I, I actually don't have the sense is that heavily um, celebrated in New Orleans for some reason. I guess we just have so many celebrations, but I, I'm going to learn a lot more about it from my guest, who is an historian and kind of knows what he's talking about, which I don't. And um, it's Juneteenth. And Juneteenth celebrates um, at least one day when uh, slaves were declared free. And I say at least one day because I went into uh, the Internet yesterday to learn a little bit more when I was challenged and asked what I knew, and I realized how little I didn't know. Um, And I discovered that there were a lot of days when slaves were freed. So I, I'm going to stop there because, as I say, I'm not really informed on this. I'm going to let my guest introduce himself and to explain, because I want you to say all of what you do, and then um, we'll talk about Juneteenth. Okay. Well, my name is Leon A. Waters. I um, am the operator of uh, two operations called Hidden History Tours. Uh, been doing it for about 20 plus years. Uh, it's an operation that um, enlightens uh, and popularizes history that's hidden, that's been suppressed. And I'm also the chairperson of uh, a museum organization called Louisiana Museum of African American History. Uh, we got started in 2002 at St. Augustine Church Catley Hall uh, with the assistance of Reverend Jerome Ledoux. Uh, and then we would have a setback called Hurricane Katrina. And um, we're in the process now of rebuilding, reorganizing, looking for a physical site. Um, that's pretty much the two hats that I wear. Uh, not unrelated to a couple of hats that I wear, because I head up an organization called the Creative Alliance of New Orleans, and we actually do cultural tours. Okay. <clears throat> we primarily focus on artist studios and uh and people who have art collections in an effort to promote people buying art so that our living artists will be able to sell it. And um, we do a lot of other things, but in relation to what you do, that's something that we do. Um, okay, so tell me, tell me about how Juneteenth got started from your perspective. Well, uh, Juneteenth is a, uh, is a holiday that is uh, currently um, observed by about 45 states in the United States. Uh, some states recognize it as a holiday where it's celebrated in its different respective states, and some states recognize it in the form of an observation. Um, it is a day that celebrates the news or the announcement that the uh, enslaved people in the South have are now free, are now emancipated. Um, it is given the date June 19th because um, a number of historians and government officials 
uh, would state that that's the day where uh, General Gruder would come to Texas, come to Galveston, and read a statement from a um, uh, two-story building. And it's a statement that uh, implies that people got their freedom without any effort. They got their freedom by the stroke of a pen. Um, Without a civil war. Well, that's what the, um, if you Google it up, if you go to history books, that's the explanation they give. And I maintain that's an incorrect explanation. If you agree with that view, then you're celebrating it for the wrong reason. But there are about 45 states now that have signed on to it, and they've signed on to it for what I maintain is the wrong reason. Hmm. That wrong reason being that by the stroke of a pen, the enslaved people were freed. Right. When in fact, again, it took it took a four-year tenacious war to win your freedom. Um, let me back up by saying this: um, American school children have always been taught that President Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves on January first, eighteen sixty-three, but this is not true. Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation only declared enslaved Africans to be free when the Union Army had not captured enemy territory. When you read the Emancipation Proclamation, it states in paragraph 5 what areas the proclamation does not apply to. It does not apply to areas where the Union soldiers have captured In other words, New Orleans fell in the early stages of the war. Fell around April 21st or 22nd, something like that. Officially May 1st. And um, this area, much of southern Louisiana, is going to be captured. And in the reading of the document, it lists all the parishes where this proclamation does not apply to. In other words, when the soldiers came to this area... The uh, enslaved people, recognizing the buckle, silver buckle on their belt, their uh, sword on their side, threw up their machetes in the air and ran to them and said, give me a gun, I want to fight for my freedom. And the soldier said to them, I don't have orders to give you a gun. My orders is to capture this territory. And my orders is to go to every slave owner and to give him the opportunity to tell me who he pledged loyalty to. If he says he pledged loyalty to us, he keeps his property. If he that, says <coughs> that property including slaves. slaves. If he says he does not pledge loyalty to us, then we seize his property. We seize his slaves. When this fell in early April 1862, the Confederate Army had already moved on. That's one reason why uh, New Orleans fell so quickly and so easily. So what do you think those slave owners did? They got a gun in front of their face. They took the pencil and put their mark. Hell yeah, I'm not going to let you kill me. And as a result of that, 
that would put more pressure, more resistance developed between the slave and the slave owners, and that would put more pressure on Abraham Lincoln to move forward with the proclamation. So this is April 1862. In September of 1862, the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation is issued. What is going down here in the South in particular is putting so much pressure on Lincoln that he moves forward with issuing the document January 1st, 1863. Now, this document was a military tactic because it states, I'm calling on you, demanding of you, Confederates, to surrender. If you don't surrender by January 1st, 1863, then I'm going to declare the slaves in the South free. That was a declaration. But in order for that to really be enforced, there had to be a war, a tenacious war, to make that happen. Now, Juneteenth is presented that Juneteenth is the day that General Gruder would come to Texas, particularly down Savannah, I mean, Galveston, excuse me, and proclaim two and a half years later that these people here are free. And that, and that was the last state, as I read it, that had not yet, by that time, freed the slaves? No, that was the last state that had not been defeated, had not been conquered. Oh. All right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, <clears throat> this is a distortion. A real distortion is given as to the reason how Juneteenth came about. General, the story is that the people in Texas were not aware of the Emancipation Proclamation existing. I did. I did read that. There was no no Facebook back then. Okay, right. (laughs) They they, they were not aware of this. And now they're learning for the first time. That they've been declared free. Two and a half, three years ago we've been emancipated. We didn't know that. But that's not true either. Why is that not true? The owners owners knew, right? Well... It's a little more than that. I'm going to give you three examples. If one was to listen to the uh, stories or reports by the enslaved people themselves, review the military activities going on, and review the newspapers at that time, you would clearly see the people did know. Galveston had about 7,000 people in 1862. 1,200 of them, about 16%, were enslaved Africans. Okay. In September 1861, Union Navy bombards Galveston. It launches an attack on Galveston. Slaves, hearing the bombardment, boom, boom, it causes conversation. Boom, what is that? Boom. It's causing conversation. The newspapers are talking about the bombardment of Galveston by the Union Navy. So in the process of discussing this, they are learning about the Civil War has begun. Why has the Civil War begun? They're learning about the Emancipation Proclamation. They're learning all these things. This is not news to them. All right? In addition, when you interview um, some of the enslaved people, like I have a little record here of an 86-year-old gentleman, uh, his name is, um, let me see, Jacob Branch. 
Okay. Now, this is printed by Harper's Weekly, September 7, 1862, Bombardment of Galveston. Okay. Well, the first bombardment was September 8, 1861. Another bombardment comes along later. And this is what Jacob said. Now, I'm going to be speaking in a kind of a funny language, okay? It's not correct English, okay? One morning, Alec and I get up at the crack of dawn to milk. All at once come a shock that shook the earth. The big fish jump clean out the bay, and turtles and alligators run out their ponds. The plum ruin Galveston. Us run to, us run to the house, and all the dishes and things done jumped out the shelf. That that first bombardment of Galveston. <laughs> now this is a quotation that comes from a book called Voices from Slavery, 100 Authentic Slave Narratives, edited by Norman Yetman. Okay. <clears throat> what I'm saying here, the people knew. The history is written as General Gruder is bringing news or bringing an announcement that they were freed two and a half years ago. No, they already knew this. Let's continue. A year passes, and there's a, um, a Confederate offensive to recapture uh, Galveston. The Confederates succeed. So there's a major battle taking place in Galveston. Okay? Later, as the war is progressing, there are some certain decisions made uh, by this time, black troops are being regularly, eagerly brought into the military. This paragraph here will become the window to allow black troops to come in. <clears throat> and so uh, President Lincoln and his generals, General Sherman, General Grant, have now come to a point where they think they're at a point where they can really launch a major offensive that could end the war. So they come up with a strategy where part of the Union Army is responsible for encircling and eventually capturing Richmond, the capital of the Confederacy. And another part is going to be important for them to, uh, you might pay, put a slash, divide the Confederacy up with a struggle to capture Atlanta. This comes about after Union troops have been successful in capturing the Mississippi River controlling the Mississippi River from the mouth of New Orleans all the way to Cairo, Illinois, Vicksburg especially. Okay. Now, when they got that in place, they would come back later. Actually, when they got that in place, black troops are going to play a very important part in capturing Robert E. Lee. They're going to box him in, 25th and the 41st. Following that, the 25th is going to be sent. That makes it even more ironic, the statue of Robert E. Lee. At least well, yeah, it is. The, the irony of all of this is the <coughs> man who fought to continue enslavement of black people is going to be boxed in and forced to surrender by the people he attempted to continue enslave. enslave. Once that's in place <coughs> and forces him to be boxed in, those troops, 25th Corps and others, are sent to now Texas to try to capture and conquer it, they ended up driving over 10,000 Confederates out of Texas into Mexico, which led to the eventual surrendering of the rebel government in Texas. Now, all of this is going on before June 19th, 1865. Mm -hmm. 
So it's when people, when I talk to people and I explain to them, if you're celebrating Juneteenth because the story you have received, General Gruder has come to tell us that we were free two and a half years ago. I'm telling you, you hood, you hoodwink. You fight, you're celebrating for the wrong reasons. But if you're celebrating Juneteenth for the purpose of honoring and paying homage to those men who militarily defeated the Confederacy, mm-hmm. who militarily freed themselves, then that's a righteous celebration that we all should celebrate. I, that's that's still a different version from what I was reading. So I, I am further informed by this discussion. Now let me ask you this question. Do you feel that we should celebrate Juneteenth, and if so, how is the right way to celebrate Juneteenth now? Well, absolutely, we should celebrate. Um, we need as many. And when I say uh, we, I yeah. mean, obviously, as a white person, I, I can celebrate it, too, but it's different for me than it is for people who have come from slaves to free people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it should be celebrated uh, uh, by African-Americans today and every democratic-minded person in the world. The way, in my opinion, it should be celebrated is to properly educate the general public what it took to defeat chattel slavery. It didn't take a, wasn't like a walk in the park as such. It took a war. It took a tenacious war. Uh, you're going to have between uh, 650 to 720,000 people involved in the Civil War. The uh, United States Civil War involved more troops than any war it's ever been involved in. You're going to have a little more than 200,000 of those people be uh, former enslaved Africans. Uh, I don't use the term African-Americans like most news media and historical books do, magazines, because I think it's incorrect. You see, we don't become Americans we don't become African-Americans until after the 13th, 14th Amendment, you see. You know, it First Amendment well, abolished slavery. I think the 14th major citizen. So the term American comes along later. But the term African-American is used for all types of writings today. In other words, if you're writing a story about slaves in 1820, uh, or a paragraph will read like this. In 1820, the African-Americans, blah, 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 blah. that's not accurate. That's part of, there's there's too much of this inaccuracy, unscientific language that goes into much of this writings today. And, you know, of course, the beat goes on, right? Mm -hmm. And so today we continue to talk inaccurately about racism and sexism and classism as things that theoretically are not a part of the American way. But they they are. They're still pervasive. And so if it took a civil war to free the slaves, what will it take for us to, I, I don't want to say become more enlightened about, but to actually achieve a way of life in America that diminishes racism and classism and sexism? Or inequality. Well, I think that's going to require a much, much longer conversation. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we got because, a few more minutes, so because, uh, so I, I I I agree. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Did you watch some of the footage? On I don't know if you um, I've been a kind of victim lately of the mm-hmm. cable news at night. I can't stop watching okay. this national soap opera that we're going through and trying to. Um, See how it's all going to turn out. Right? You mean uh, the big leader we have in Washington D.C.? You know, not just him, but you know his buddies, his buddies mm-hmm. that are propping him up. So um, I, I I I watched the footage of the f- of the people in Hong Kong filling the streets with literally millions of people, and I said, now that mm-hmm. is a protest. That's a protest, and that is really what it took in their case, to get the mayor to back down, because she wasn't backing down at first. Even with a few hundred thousand people out in the street, she wasn't backing down. She was saying, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to think about this. But then she had to apologize because it got intense. It still is. So I say, we have these skirmishes here. And and we did have some pretty big demonstrations right after Trump got elected from the women's movement. Those were pretty big, and they were worldwide. We had some big demonstrations on the gun issue after the Parkland shootings, but somehow these things seem to be just events that don't have long-term traction. Even I can remember when the women's movement was hitting and we were all kind of excited when I had women in this room talking about how we're going to keep it going and then keep it going. And where is it? So that's my question. Um, well, I, I feel I, like... We're we we're not as intentional as we proclaimed on day one to be by day thirty. Well, I think you could look at history to try to get some guidance to help you um, get some clarity to get some answers for this. And this is what I think you're going to learn when you study history. You're going to learn that. Whenever there was a proper level of organization and when there was ever a proper level of leadership in sync with each other, almost like the atom. To be an atom, you need the neutron, the nucleus, and the electron. Okay? You've got to have these two things in sync. And whenever these two things are in sync, you made gains. And the movement, based off these two entities, grows and can be sustained. So when we look at struggles, and let's say one or two years you have large activities, and then we begin to see a decline, it has to do with is the level of organization, is the level of leadership in sync. You see, in um, France, they've been having struggles for 32 weeks. <clears throat> they've been fighting against economic crisis. In November, December of last year, they had up to 300,000 people marching every Saturday. Today, it's like 80, 100,000. What has happened when they began? What has happened now? Well, what has happened when they began, they made some gains. They were able to take the French government, force the French government, Macron government, to retreat and concede. They won some concessions. When you win some concessions, that takes, that affects things, okay? Both sides know 
that the more pressure I put on you this way, you can either concede to me or you're going to have more problems. Well, Macron conceded, and that influenced and affected the numbers drop in the protests. So I would say you got to study this, study this. And the more you study this, the more you're going to learn that we have to have a very well tested, tempered level of organization and a very well tested, tempered leadership. And when those two things in sync, you make gangs. There was a, um, there were, I, I just ha- happened on a video uh, documentary about the civil rights movement, primarily about Martin Luther King and, and how he organized and how he led. And I, I learned a lot about his very deliberate, intentional um, um, events that he brought about in order to catch the attention of the country to the civil rights issues and how people were uh, dealing with it in the South. And it was fascinating, and it it was very much to to the point that you just made. Um, I have um, other guests that I have to bring on. Um, I I am... Um, I want to ask one last question before I, I, I move on, and and that is I started in the beginning just before you came on to talk about how why we celebrate Juneteenth with the statement that it doesn't seem to me like it is as much celebrated here as, let's say, St. Joseph's Day mm-hmm. when the Mardi Gras Indians parade or um, uh, when Essence is here or when Jazz Fest is here or when a lot of other things are occurring around. It, 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 am I right in perceiving that Juneteenth is not celebrated uh, on a wide scale here? Not at this time. You're correct. Was I, it in the past? Yes. In, in the past. In your lifetime? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. And before my lifetime, even much higher. You see, different places in the South would learn about victory. And they would adopt different dates to celebrate. Right. In Thomason, Georgia. May yeah. 25th, I believe the date is. They have annual celebrations. Yeah, I saw that. In New Orleans, people here adopted January 1st, 1863. They adopted that date because <clears throat> the Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863. Yeah. And that became like a calling cards as such. From this day on, we'll celebrate. So for 75 years in this city, oh. we had huge Celebrations, celebrations first. major demonstrations, major parades. Interesting. As key people passed on, mm-hmm. this was not systematically passed on to the next generation. So fewer and fewer potential leaders did not come forward to keep it going. Yeah. I see. Um should it be resurrected? In my opinion, it should be. You know. um, will it be? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Well, we're going to see more, and I'm going to have you back now that I know who you are and what you know about. And um, I, I'm actually a, a little bit of a history. I won't call me a buff. I'm strictly an amateur, but I did study a lot of it in school, and I, I'm fascinated well, by it. So I will have you back. Sure. But in the meantime, I'm going to invite... 
a young lady who is working with the Caribbean Festival to join me in the studio. And if I could just get her attention. Hello. Come on. <laughs> we have a festival celebrating the Caribbean when is it uh, be? At, um, this weekend. Oh. This weekend. Okay. And um, oh, I have a young woman who's going to come in and talk about that right now. Okay. And, yeah, and I, the way I introduce it also, mm-hmm. can I keep this? Yes, you keep that. Thank you. Uh, is um, uh, by pointing out that for some places this would be a celebration about a place somewhere else. Uh-huh. But in this case, it's a celebration of our city because we're part of the Caribbean culture. Oh, I like to <laughs> learn about this because uh, our organization goes back and forth through the Caribbean. If we do make, we travel a lot on these tours. Come on in. So well, you know what? You have to listen in. Come, come, hang out in the other room and listen. All right, thank you. It's at Central City Barbecue this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Thank you, very much, Leon Waters, historian and author, and um, I've just gotten a lot of education. Uh, um, Close the door. And um, now, um, Cindy Mohammed, who is the spokesperson for the NOLA Caribbean Experience, who is actually a a native of Trinidad and Tobago, and she, is that the right pronunciation? Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago. But I had, that's my accent, so. Okay. Um, Moved to New Orleans a couple years ago, and she's been involved in the Caribbean community here. And, you know, um, I live on the cusp of a Caribbean community because I live on Esplanade in the 2300 block, and on Bayou Road by the Pagoda is a kind of Caribbean community gathering. I actually passed over there, and I could see there's a lot of culture, a lot of Caribbean culture right there. When right. I, yeah, there's, like, food, and then there's a reggae club and all this. Club Caribbean yeah. and, and, the, yeah. uh, and, the, and the, the, the house structure right. is a sculpture by my husband, Robert Tannen. Oh, really? And it was just a clean sheet metal structure, and the community took it over, which he loves, mm-hmm. I love, because um, it makes it, 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 it fulfills the mission of the expression public art. Yeah. It really did become public art by virtue of the way the community has embraced and used it. Yes. I definitely have to check that out. <laughs> okay. So, Cindy, um, this <laughs> is a year three of the Caribbean Festival, and apparently it is exploding. It, it's, it's always been uh, a pretty strong event, but uh, this year, <laughs> three stages. Yes. How many food vendors? It's 50 food vendors. 50 food vendors. Great food, too, let me tell you. <laughs> and it's at um, the uh, Central City Barbecue. Uh, Central City Barbecue on North Rampart. And that's North Rampart, South Rampart, isn't it? South, um, South. Yeah, South, South Rampart. Rampart, yeah. And it's, and it's very close to where um, the Myrtle Banks School Building is. Okay. Um, that's just two blocks away. Yeah. And that school building is actually one of the first integrated schools in the city. Really? And um, on the third floor, we have a cultural space, um, the, my organization, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans. And, mm-hmm. and we're doing a little pre-cocktails to come see the quilts made by Celie Pettisglow, who is an African-American woman of Louisiana who... Uh, has, makes art quilts okay. that have kind of Afro-Caribbean themes. Okay. So 
I welcome you to join us for that as well. But, I would love to come see you. But tell me about um, tell me about the festival. So give it's two days. Yeah. So in Trinidad and Tobago, um, we have carnival, and it's the same time you guys have carnival here. That's where the heart of the soca music, which is the actual music for carnival, you know, started. And um, we have the costumes, and we have something also called juve, and it's the 3 a.m. in the morning. You kick off the carnival, you go on the road with these big trucks with the music, and you they spray you with paint and powder. And also, um, you just go right into the festival. So we have, we're doing the Color Me Crazy, number one, um, Saturday on Saturday. And that's and it's a parade. A, that's the actual parade, and it's we call it Carnival in the Caribbean. And it goes into the festival. So we're combining the pretty costumes with the people that's wearing, they call it a Dutty Mas. Um, and they go into the festival. The festival has 50 vendors. The fun thing I love about this festival that we have a kitty corner and we have a breastfeeding station where you can sit in air conditioning and, you know, spend time with your kid. The kitty corner has painting and also um, drumming lessons for the kids and a water slide. So it's family friendly. Yeah. We have some really, really good vendors. We have Island Paradise. We have Queen Trinilisa, which is... Caribbean food, you know, we have curry, we have jerk chicken, we have Johnny's uh, Johnny's Grill, which is Jamaican food, we have fritanola, which is Haitian food, and we have a little Asian dip to it this year, which is very interesting. Um, also, we have some great international artists. Uh, I would tell people to come out to this festival if you want to feel the Caribbean, if you've never traveled to the Caribbean. This is a great way to kind of like get a taste of it because we're going to have the music, the dancing. We're going to have all the different. So your palate will be like amazed to taste all these different foods. And then we're going to have a lot of beautiful women, a lot of beautiful men. And it's, it's just going to be a really, really fun time. You know, um, I just I just I just remembered uh, ta- listening to you about the Caribbean festival that happens in New York mm-hmm. around this same time of the year. Hmm. Um, I, I, are you familiar with it at all? I'm not like familiar. In Brooklyn. With, I'm not familiar with it, but I know it is National um, Caribbean American Heritage Month this month. Oh, so okay. we, you know, we are celebrating that. That is also why probably No Look Caribbean Festival started this in this month. But we're celebrating all the Caribbean people that have come to the U.S. Because that know, was my month. next question: Is uh, how did this get started? Right. Who started it and why? Joel Hitchcock. He started it, and he's an amazing person, a great friend. And um, he just fell in, from what I understand, you know, this is not his words, my words, but he spent some time in the Caribbean. He loved the culture. He also started with reggae first, which is huge in New Orleans. I was very surprised to see how much reggae, New Orleans love reggae. Yeah. And he started bringing the bands here. Is there somebody who doesn't? Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, there's some other places that they don't, they're not interested, but here yeah. they love the reggae. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, and he started with the reggae and bringing <laughs> reggae bands, and then he wanted to do a festival, you know, and he started, you know, he started Nola Caribbean Fest. And this year, I, I just cannot believe the love and the support from the city. It's, it's just really, really amazing. It sounds fabulous, but now it's more than just one night. So we just focused on the Saturday night, but right. you still have something on. Friday. Friday, we have we also have um, the brunch. We have we have the the we have a brunch. We also have the pool party. So, um, Thursday tomorrow, we have um, the flag party. So you come out with your flags at the Blue Nile. 
Also, um, and then we have the After White Party, and you can get all that on www.nolacribbinfestival.com. Uh, um, www, uh, <laughs> and the W's are going a little wild with my tongue right now. Drop Too much W's. W's. Drop the W's. <laughs> yeah, drop the, the W's. Give me the rest of it. Yeah, okay. com. Nolacaribbeanfestival.com. Okay. And That's you, where you can find the details. You can find everything. And also Instagram and Facebook, you can go to Nola Caribbean Experience. Mm-hmm. And you can find all the information as well. And the nice thing about there, you can ask questions and you can get a reply right away. So if you're, in, you know. Sure. Yeah. Now, I noticed on Saturday night, again, this is still the, the hot night. Yeah. Um, um, it starts at 5. Right. And goes to. It goes about 10, 10, So 11. that's five hours. Yeah. So now, if you want to pick a time. Right. Within that five hours that, okay, this is the not miss group that's uh-huh. going to be playing. So if, like, I can't be out there for five hours. Right. When should I come? I mean, I personally think um, when the band, you know, from the Color Me Crazy Carnival costumes enter. So I would say probably around 7 o'clock or so when you see them kind of enter and they're all hanging out, we're dancing. I think you're going to actually get a real good a real good idea what it feels like to be in the Caribbean, and it will be a lot of excitement. I mean, the festival itself will be a lot of excitement, I think, but that will be a really, really good time, you know, to come out and just see the whole, the beautiful feathers and all the, you know, the glitter and all that stuff. I mean, New Orleans is used to that. I mean, you know. We're we're, kind of used to it, but, uh, I mean, truly, uh, the level that I've seen of Caribbean praise is definitely... It's not another level. Well, I I teach the Caribbean dance out here, the soca dancing. So we do use a lot of waistline movement, and it is very, very open (laughs) and and sexy. So, yes, it's a different kind of, it's a different level. Where do you teach? I teach at Dillard University, Xavier University. I teach once a month at Loyola and the Healing Center and Destiny, designed by Destiny and Harvey. So um, for the public... Uh, it sounds like the one at um, at uh, Healing Center would be the easiest one. Yeah, seven thirty, and that's like when seven thirty every Monday. And look, and yeah, and Mondays. my name is I know it's Musini Mohammed, but it's Trini Cindy. Trini Cindy. Yeah. Okay. And you just go to trinicindy dot com and you'll find all the information on your dancing. Yes. I love the sound of this festival. I'm right up against my time. Right? Am I? Do I have any time left? I have one more minute. <laughs> In one more minute, what do you want to add to what you said? I just want you guys to come celebrate with Trini Cindy and celebrate my Caribbean culture and how much I love New Orleans and how much New Orleans love the Caribbean. Let's just have fun and dance and be free this weekend. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, folks, we're going to use the rest of the show today um, because it's such a big moment for us losing uh, Mac Rebenack or Dr. John, as he's known uh, in the entertainment world. And I selected three pieces of his that kind of speak, first of all, they're pieces that I happen to love, but also they speak to kind of saying goodbye to Dr. John and wishing him well. And, um, again, I say to you, if you want to know about we're – the legends we're, we've been losing just lately, so many, but uh, the young ones coming up, you should tune in to our last show that we had on our website, on our um, Cross Sound Conversations on SoundCloud, um, and listen to uh, Delphio, um, or Delphio um, uh, 
Marsalis and Kyle Wedberg from NOCA talking about the young cast that are coming up and some of the sampling that we did during the show. But for now, let's say goodbye to Dr. John, and I will see you all next week. Listen.
Gambala Matrix. Hero man, DJ Kelly Papa. Gambala Mwaido. Hero man, DJ Kelly Mama. Santa Maria. Hero man, DJ Kelly Mama. Hero man, DJ It's no secret that life moves fast.